you're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. So, community poll. How are we feeling about the fact that it is now March again? Uh, on a scale of one to horrible, horrible. Yeah. I feel very bad about it. Me no like. Um, yeah. I, I've been reminiscing a lot about um, the last like day of freedom. Yes. From last year that I can remember. Um, I wish it had been a better one, but... Didn't we yeah. see boys in the band? <laughs> we did, but then, but it was yeah. just like everything was. There was just like a pall because you knew it was it was coming. Yeah. So you couldn't really be enjoying your last day of freedom, and like everybody was already being really panicked and weird at stores and things like that. It was just the absolute bonkers thing was thinking about the fact that we saw my friend Sam uh, in the Windy City Playhouse run of Boys in the Band. It the was wonderful, uh, but they served food. Mm-hmm. And no one was wearing a mask, and we were all just out there seeing theater. Like that was the last good day, the last, the last good day. We were middle. We were in the middle of like eating in a restaurant. Yeah, when the news came over. Yeah, that we were all gonna be <laughs> quarantining. quarantining. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about all of this? I think it's just been March since then. Like I think this isn't new March. This is just like a continuation of March. Old March, yeah. Mm-hmm. In old March, we were getting ready to go back to Michigan for a little hiatus. Yeah. Um, will not be happening this year. No. I fucking hope so. I hope not. <laughs> Things would have to get, like, changed drastically for us to up and leave. Yeah. Life is um, corona normal right now, but normal. Yeah. But yeah. hey, the news is looking up. Cases in Chicago are way down. I don't know where, where other people are. But I'm hoping they're down in your place, too. That also, Yeah. If you live in America and you're broke like us, you may be getting a stimulus check at some point. Hey, and also Everyone vaccines. who doesn't live in America is like, we already got that. Okay, well, listen. Congratulations on not being <laughs> destitute, I guess. Uh, but yeah, weird things to reminisce on. Um, it's really funny that like a big part of our podcast is going to be marked by a global pandemic. <laughs> and I keep thinking like, this is going to be a really weird thing where, you know, 10 years down the line, I'm going to be like... That was a really big defining part of my 20s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, especially considering the fact that, like, my 20s are, in the grand scheme of things, almost over. No. <laughs> you're acting like you're 28. You're 26. I will be 27 so soon. Um, but I've lost, like, a whole year of my 20s to quarantine, as have you, and as have everyone we know. We should just... Mm-hmm. I, I think... Everybody, and I, I'm giving this pass to everybody, you are all allowed to start lying about your age now. It doesn't matter how old you are because you didn't do anything for the last year, so like it doesn't count. I get a do-over. That's true. All right. Well, then that's settled. I will stay 26 for another year. Yes. Yeah, you are. Sounds good to me. Uh-huh. That'd be really fun if you were celebrating like a good birthday and you got to do it again, like 21. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like... The next big monument birthday is is 30. But um, 25 was decent. I wouldn't mind 25 again. So that's like the midway point. You can just say you're turning 25. You can say I'm turning 25. Everyone would know I was a liar. I would totally be turning 25 if I weren't turning 24. I know. Crazy. Right? What a weird world we live in. So strange. Anyway, uh, welcome to the Teen Wolf Free Wolf podcast, a podcast where we do a lot of pandemic lamenting and then occasionally talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are. It's true. And that's me. Um, this week we're talking about uh, the fourth episode of season four, The Benefactor, which was uh, written by Jeff Davis and a man named Ian Stokes, who was also written for Luke Cage and Iron Fist, cool. neither of which I have seen. I have seen some of Luke Cage. Um, I like the guy who plays Luke Cage. Just haven't seen the I like the, um, the, series, the, yeah. the Netflix Marvel um, Yes, I think they're series. good. Yeah. Um, and directed by... Our dear friend, Russell Mulcahy. Not enough water. Not enough water. They he were by the lake. He snuck some in there by the lake. He, yes. Yeah, he got his wish. There was a lot of fog. Yes. Fog machines going nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, I still very much want to talk to him someday, but... Does he have social uh, media? I feel like he probably is not personally on social media, but I'm no, not No, but if he had a Twitter, I would love if everybody tweeted at him. Yeah. If anybody knows Russell Mulcahy. If anybody knows, if you know him personally or know someone who knows him personally, this is all about networking, baby. We'll get to him. Baby. Yeah. Um, this was a fun episode. Yeah. Very jam-packed. I don't anticipate either of us doing well in the 60-second recap. Really plot heavy. We were about halfway through and I was about three quarters of the way through with the page of notes that I was taking just for the plot. Um, 
So we learned a lot. And some people came back. Yeah. Chris is back. Very excited to talk I, about that. I, I love, love you, him. Chris Argent. <laughs> we love and him. And he looks so good with his beard. He does. Very much less like the cartoon Grinch. I know. With the Shut beard. up. Ugh. I, okay, also, like, I know that Daniel Sharman was busy with his career or whatever, but, like, if Chris was coming back, Isaac should have come back. He was like, Isaac's doing fine. He's at college. Why would he be at college? He's Scott's age. I feel like he's smart. Something that I think that Teen Wolf um, did well was recognize how different you are in age when you're 14 and 17, and it's crazy when you go to school, (laughs) a school full of, you know, 14-year-olds and 17-year-olds, because high school is wild. Yes. Yeah. I, my brother is a couple years younger than me, like six. So I would go to his band concerts and I'd see little 14 year old freshmen and the band concerts. I'm like, I was that small one time and in high school thinking I was so grown. Yes. Yeah. But no, no, not quite. I never felt that way. Cause I'm the youngest and my older siblings are so much older than me. Mm-hmm. like, I was never in school. I could never have been in school with my older brother. Um, but I, I think the only time I was in school with my older sister was when I was in kindergarten and she was in fifth grade. So uh, I've always just been like, I'm a baby. <laughs> uh, conversely, being the eldest. Yeah. That's my that's my biggest problem. Um, but yeah, you know, we have new baby werewolves and new other friendly faces that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but first we have to do our 60 second recap and you are going first. I am going first. Hold on. How are you feeling? You feeling ready? I'm feeling like I have to look at my notes, but yes. Okay, one, two, three. Okay, so we pick up where we left off on the roof of the hospital, and Derek comes to help out uh, the sheriff, and they're like, there was one other person up here. Meanwhile, Liam is tied up in Scott's bathroom, and Scott and Stiles are trying to convince Liam that werewolves are real. Uh, he's not really buying it. Peter is at Derek's loft, and he gets an axe to the chest from the mute, and we're not really sure what happens to him. Um, Malia and Stiles are talking about how she hates the full moon, and she has to get chained up every time. Lydia is in science class trying to figure out what the code is, and then she gets to the keys in the lake house with her mom, which is where we're all going to go for the full moon, because the full moon is that day. Uh, we meet Liam's friend, Mason, very exciting. Uh, Scott's still trying to convince Liam that they need to talk because he's like, we're brothers now. Um, But Liam is in denial. The pack gets Kira to invite Liam to a party to keep him out of the way on the full moon. Um, And then they learn that he has like serious, serious anger management issues. Um, The problem is that Mason invited everyone to the lake house, so it's actually a real party. There's a beer delivery guy, and he's a werewolf, and he gets beheaded by some young child um mason's looking for liam and runs into lydia and she uh starts playing a record in the white room and there's a bunch of faces started pushing through the walls and it's really creepy kira and scott are slow i felt like i was really doing so well sometimes you just sort of tune out because you're just reading and then you're like it's only been 15 seconds yeah i wasn't even editorializing this time no no that was you were spitting straight facts i was i was trying so hard i i got far enough but there was still so much. Well, we'll catch the people up on what we miss after I fail maybe greater than you. <laughs> there is too much. I must sum up. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. Mandy Patinka. Um, I try my best. Uh, are you ready uh, to yes. recap? Okay. You have one minute starting now. So the police are investigating the roof in the hospital and then Scott has kidnapped Liam and he's tied up in duct tape and Liam escapes his him from him and Styles and then the mute hits Peter with an axe and then uh, Styles and Melita are, Melita are like discussing the full moon and then Leah explains the code in her notes to Kira and then Mason is introduced and then Scott and Styles try to talk to Liam again and he's like please leave me alone and then they make a plan to go to Lake House and like Kira has to invite Liam uh, and then she falls down the stairs when she does it but he agrees to go and then Derek helps Peter um, like treat his mute wound and then and they t- t- convince Liam to go out to the lake house and um, they tell him about the werewolves and stuff. And he's like, this is crazy. And then um, uh, um, the party starts because Liam, he's invited uh, Mason and Mason invites everybody else. They tie up Malia in the basement and Liam in the sh- shed. But then Malia starts to break free and then Liam starts to break free. And then Lydia is hearing all of these banshee sounds out of a uh, record player in the room that she figures out is soundproof. And then she figures out that um, the code name for the... Uh, Key is uh, Allison, and then she realizes it's a Deadpool, and then Chris shows up and helps Scott with Liam, and Malia controls her shift. Yay! I forgot about Beer Delivery Man. Beer Delivery Man. Um, That is the first glimpse into Satomi's pack. We don't know that yet, but he repeats their little uh, grounding exercise, the things that cannot be hidden, the sun, the moon, the truth. Yes. Very fun. I'm going to start with a complaint right away. These little two teenage bounty hunters... Mm Mm-hmm. Lame. 
It's so lame. They're way too confident. I don't like that they're like, we're sexy 14-year-olds, which always grosses me out. Like, mm-hmm. that's a big no-no for me. They're very cocky. I will say that I like her electrified wire necklace that the she bolo uses tie. to garrot yeah. people. Yeah. Um, to decapitate people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Gross. Um, but there is a show on Netflix right now called Teenage Bounty Hunters, and it's about <laughs> two girls who, like, become bounty hunters on accident, and they're, like, incompetent, but, like like caught up in it all and like that's more interesting to me than these like two like we're trained assassin teenagers like garbage <laughs> thing that these two are uh i would tend to agree with you um i i also i understand that like we're getting into the deadpool and so there are just a community of assassins out there in the world apparently um but it introduces a lot of faces that we only see like once or twice and none of them particularly memorable, except for the mute who gets ripped to shreds quite literally in this, this episode. episode. Oh, I forgot to say that. They hunt down the mute in the school and Peter kills him. Because Peter couldn't do anything. He is immune from the law. Any clearly. <laughs> Stolinsky's like, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fine. You do that. So we're going to be discussing this week's episode through the theme of anticipation. It feels like the entire episode we're waiting for a whole bunch of shoes to drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and our characters are as well. So where would you like to start? Um, hmm. Let's, let's talk about uh, Malia. Do it. Because everybody, well, everybody is kind of, most of the action in this particular episode hinges on the full moon and Malia, despite being a human being again for quite some time now, an unspecified amount of time, um, still has trouble controlling herself during the shift of the full moon. And, uh, they're a little concerned because they think that the little chains won't hold for this night and spoiler alert, they don't. Uh, so then the whole thing becomes whether or not Malia is going to be able to control herself and not hurt Styles, And then potentially everybody else who's at this party right now. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think um, Malia is going through sort of the more, more like most personal um, sense of foreboding, um, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody else is kind of like Styles is worried about Malia and Scott is worried about Liam and, uh, Sheriff and Derek are worried about the mute. Like they have a different kind of thing that they're waiting for something big to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But Malia is, it's really internalized because her only sort of priority right now is to not kill Styles because she is the one who would be causing the problems if something were to come to fruition. And I think that really scares her. And that is the really big sort of part of Styles being like, I know you're afraid of hurting me because of what you did to your family, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a really intelligent callback. Um, and it's really interesting to me because I think that, that that sense of urgency and that sense of worry is where we really start seeing Malia progress as somebody who loves the people around her and like wants to be a part of the society that she's now been sort of forced back into. Mm-hmm. And part of that starts with not wanting to hurt other people. Oh, yeah. I'm really glad that this is kind of the approach that they took with her um, because they've decided to kind of bypass the fact that Malia is still technically eight years old um and just trying trying to treat her like she's a normal teenager and we haven't really delved into any of the trauma that she's experienced because there's been a lot of other things going on yeah just like a lot of other shit going on um so being able to tackle it in this particular way um without needing to get too much into the nitty-gritty like i think they do a really excellent job of showing rather than telling uh the problems i mean there's a lot of like exposition-y talk from Styles, but they have a really lovely moment together yeah. um, that just further solidifies their relationship, I think. I also was really, like, I'm so happy we didn't have to go through, like, the, here's the plan. We're going to tie Malia up in a basement. It's clear that this is something that they have been working on continuously. Mm-hmm. Not even just Styles, like, the whole group has been doing this together at, like, Malia, not Malia, at Lydia's lake house for the last little bit. Um... Which is great, because I don't really need to see that plan forming, but it does sort of give me a really solid idea into how much the friend group is supporting this. Um, And, like, the sort of systems that they have developed to start taking care of each other. Um, But it's strange. (laughs) 
it's strange to me that they wouldn't weren't like maybe we should get new cuffs because the second something has a tear in it, it's just gonna keep tearing. Mm-hmm. Or duct tape, even like there wasn't even an attempt. Yeah, come to on, fix you guys. It. Duct tape fixes everything, as we all know. Yeah. So that leaves us, like, audience anticipating, but in a way that kind of splits focus. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a play? Or sometimes this happens. Have I ever seen a play? No. Mm-hmm. And sometimes this happens on television, where somebody will put a prop on the edge of a table, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm just going to sit there waiting for that water bottle to fall over this entire time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a little bit how it kind of feels. I'm like, I'm just waiting for the cuffs to break because I know they're going to because they set it up so that they would. I almost wish that they didn't and having them break would be like a surprise. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they maybe were counting on um, all of the other extraneous things that were going on in this episode to kind of um, distract you. Too bad, Team Wolf. I'm smarter than that. <laughs> uh, we were also rewatching and... Um, even though it is really exposition-y, um, I think it's really well paced. So I don't, I don't get the issue of like being really caught up and overwhelmed by the information being presented. So missed the mark yeah. on that one. I kind of wish, I, I, I almost wish, like, it's funny that everybody in this episode is so anxious that I'm kind of like, I wish I was more anxious because I feel like that would suit the thing and maybe I was on the first watching it really is hard kind of going back and being oh well I roughly have an idea well it's season four so do I really know what's happening no but I roughly have an idea that they're all gonna make it through this episode I actually was I've been trying to think about this because there's so much I don't remember about season four and so much of it I remember being really weirded out by like the faces in the wall that Lydia sees I loved that so creepy so good and I think that when I was watching it for the first time like that made me really anxious and a little disoriented and then you have the little crumbs of like Lydia being like well we're gonna have to sell the house and and just all of these new pieces of information that I was like what is happening yes upon first watch and now I'm kind of like, well, I, I have a grip. I got a handle Mm -hmm. on this. Speaking of Lydia, should we talk about her? Let's do. Lydia, uh, is kind of, um, I think that Lydia is sort of the least stressed out in this episode and is therefore not anticipating the amount of work that she's going to have to do going through the latter half of the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, which is like funny because generally I think that Lydia is a character who is able to keep her cool and often can calm down other people. Like we saw her calming down like Kira in the last couple episodes and Malia. Um, and the second that she is uh, slammed with having to host a party, mm-hmm. she is like absolutely losing it in a way that I found slightly out of character only until we get to the soundproof room. I almost wonder if there's something about the house in general that like triggers the bancheisms, you know? Probably, given what we later learn mm-hmm. um, about that house and about Lydia's um, lineage, if you will. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, she's having a really hard time, and it's funny because I think a lot of people would kind of classify Styles as Scott's right hand man, and in a way he is, but like, Lydia is Scott's general. She takes care of shit. Mm-hmm. And when he's not around, she's kind of like a de facto in charge just by virtue of being like the smartest and most competent person in the room. Yes. Um, so it is really weird to watch her kind of fall apart a little bit in mm-hmm. this particular aspect. Um, very cute when Styles is like, Lydia, who throws the best parties in Beacon Hills? And she's like, me, obviously. Yeah, but she's like real upset about it. She's like, ugh, me. <laughs> me. <laughs> um, yeah, but I really enjoyed watching her um, in this episode and particularly because we are getting more and more and more about her banshee powers. And that's just a piece of conversation now. Like when they're introducing everybody, they're like, oh, well, Lydia's a banshee. Uh And you do need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the way we talk about people now, like in terms of their astrology sign. They're like, oh, yeah, she's a Pisces. So (laughs) (laughs) she's a banshee. She's a banshee. Um, She's just like that. She's an Aquarius. Ugh. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And I think the the greatest moment of anticipation on Lydia's end is when she, the door closes and she realizes that the room is soundproof. I loved that bit. Brilliant. She is so sort of unsettled because she's like, this means something else is going to happen. I'm going to find out something about, you know, she's never noticed that the room is soundproof before and reasons stand that they hang out at the lake house a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Um, she is like automatically sure that something is not right. And that whole sort of 
bit where she's like going to go play the record player and it's something that only, you can hear the whispers, but you know only Lydia's going Lydia's to be able to crack the code. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really phenomenal. And I, I just kind of wonder like what would it feel like for her to hear that and then just hear like the name of her best friend? Oh, it's really devastating to watch Allison be typed in as the keyword. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's uh, on the one hand, it's kind of funny because Scott's password is Allison. Yeah. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, um, I think everything about that room is so smart. It is visually very distinct from the rest of the house. Um, it's all white and the rest of the house is kind of like a log cabiny adjacent feel. Um, and it's kind of retro and it's got the orange, like the orange pops of color and the record player. Um, and it feels very alien in comparison to every other room that we've seen. Uh, so the yeah. idea almost that, sterile, like, yeah, mm-hmm. like a, like a hospital room almost. Um, and then you have the insanely creepy faces coming out of the, that was so good. the wall. Um, I don't know what it mm-hmm. is, but it kind of remind me, reminded me of, um, uh, when <laughs> I hate to bring up Harry Potter, <laughs> but when he can hear the voices behind the veil in mm-hmm. the Ministry of Magic, yes, in the book, not the movie, um, obviously, because the ah, uh, you know, actually, yeah, I'm going to talk about Harry Potter. Imagine how good the fifth movie would be had they done anything in the Ministry of Magic, right? Uh, literally anything. Literally anything. Specifically the brains, but also the bell jar. It would have been... I don't know why they didn't. I don't but, know either. I mean... Mm. Tangent over. But it reminded <laughs> me of the veil in the in, in Order of the Phoenix. Totally. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, which it kind of is, you know? She's hearing people from beyond the veil. Mm-hmm. Um, which is... Scary. And But it's also, also Lydia's kind of, thing. Yeah, it's her thing. Yeah. It's part of who she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Scott? Scott is losing it and is trying so hard to bank on what he's learned from Derek in the worst way. He is, he's, it's really interesting to see Scott sort of, um, deflect all of his leadership to something that never even really worked on him because he's so lost on what to do about Liam. Yeah. It's in, it's similar to Lydia. It's really weird to see him this out of control. He's obviously terrified. He knows that this means that there's, you know, um, you know, he, he knows this means he's going to be hunted down by the Calaveras. We get a little flashback at the beginning to help us remember that. He knows he's pretty much ruined Liam's chance of being normal ever, mm-hmm. which is something he probably feels immense guilt about. And all of these things are clouding his judgment to the point where he cannot, like, behave normally around Liam. And mm-hmm. you can clear he's he's really nervous about the full moon because he hasn't done anything to be able to prepare Liam for what's going to happen to him. And uh, even Styles is like, dude dude, how are you being so bad at this? Yeah. I I think part of the issue is the fact that the full moon is the very next day because we pick up exactly where we left off in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is literally the next day. And not only are they having to worry about chaining up Malia as normal, um, but now they have this kid who Scott barely knows and doesn't have a particularly good relationship with to start. Um trying to convince him that he's a werewolf without actually saying the words and being really oblique and vague like Derek was. It's been like, we're brothers now, Liam. Yeah, and and at this point, like, Liam does not have a Styles who's doing the Bella from Twilight Google search to figure out he's a werewolf. Vampire. Vampire. <laughs> um, and when we, we do meet Mason in this episode, which is fun, because I love Mason. Angel. Um, but he also doesn't have the, rela- uh, the relationship with Mason that... Scott has with Styles, which is overly open and like he was the first person who he told and Liam doesn't feel like he can tell anybody because he's trying so desperately to be normal. Because as we find out, he has immense anger management and mental health problems. Yeah. Which I actually think that this is fascinating and is one of the key factors of Scott's anxiety is because he's like, of course, of fucking course it was the kid (laughs) who can't control his temper who's going to have to go through the full moon. And I just keep thinking about how, like, Derek's whole thing was sort of like an icy coolness. Mm-hmm. And Scott was reactionary, but Scott's automatic setting isn't violence. No. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting progression from Derek, who really keeps his cool, to Scott being a little bit more um, going by the seat of his pants type of person, but not an angry person. 
ultimately to have the sort of lineage, I guess, culminate with Liam, who doesn't respond well to either the Derek approach or the Scott approach at first. And he doesn't have really um, anyone else to support him. Like we don't really know a lot about Mason at this point and he's clearly not confiding in him and he feels such tremendous shame uh, for what he did to his teacher and his teacher's car at his old school, which is what got him kicked out and like the effect that it had on his parents. Um, that this is just like yet another problem he's having to deal with, um, which is kind of something we get into at the, at the end of it. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm misremembering season one, Mm -hmm. but Liam seems to like just be predisposed to react more violent, not violently, but more extremely to certain stimuli than Scott was like, Scott was overwhelmed, but it doesn't seem to be in the same way that Liam is. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And even like Scott did have the sound things, but it was more about him picking up what people were saying from like across the room and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we see that first thing where he has the, the super hearing is Allison talking on the phone outside. Yes. Liam, any kind of external stimuli is, is, is setting off something. And what's so interesting about what they are anxious about in this episode and what they're anticipating is Scott is anticipating a known quantity for an unknown person. Mm. And Liam is anticipating an unknown quantity. He doesn't know what's coming, but he does know he's changing and it's massively upsetting him. And I think part of that not knowing is what's making it so much harder that he can't focus. Yeah. And he can't even begin to process the things that Scott's telling him because not only like, is he learning about werewolves for the first time, but he's learning about banshees and kitsunes and where coyotes like it's a lot and uh, people who are possessed by an evil spirit. <laughs> that line where he's like, well, what are you now? And Styles is like, better? <laughs> I remember watching that and losing it. I think it's so good. Styles is particularly funny in this episode at the expense of Liam, which doesn't help. Well, I think that um, Styles is kind of... He's anticipating something different. He's anticipating like being with Malia on the full moon and learning about this completely new supernatural creature that they didn't know anything about and now scott had to go and bite someone like god damn it yeah i think he's a little peeved i also think scott brought a new baby home and styles is like hey Hey, you're my best friend yeah yeah um scott is uh not doing so great in this particular episode and he's also distracted by his burgeoning relationship with kira that scene in the boathouse where she's trying so to, where she's, he's like, I can't, you can't distract me. And she gets his eyes to turn red is the cutest. Adorable. So cute. Adorable. But it also puts them in a position where Liam breaks free of his chains and runs away. So. Yeah. I'm a little bit like that was cute, but Kira, time and a place. Do that later. <laughs> Get it together. Both of you. Well, what I also found was interesting about that is, um, for the brief moment they were able to set us like Scott was able to set aside his anticipation just because he was enjoying a teenage moment with Kira, which they never get to do. And he was like, Oh, I can hear the music from the party. And, uh, when you're not on your toes, you get run over in this world. So that, that backfired. Yeah. Pretty much any time any of the main cast tries to experience anything that resembles teenage normalcy on this show backfires. Yeah. Poor kids. Yep. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Styles. Mm-hmm. Styles is obviously anticipating another rough night with Malia, but he clearly has faith that she's gonna pull it together one of these days. Yeah, I I kind of wonder if we can totally classify that as faith, or if Styles is just a little bit more reckless now. Um, he might be in general, <laughs> fine by me. <laughs> but he also um. This is kind of the the glimpse that we've gotten into his um, mind and life post Nogitsune, where he's talking about remembering everything that he did mm-hmm. and how that kind of gives him a kinship with Malia and that um, mm, allows him to have faith in her. Yes. Because like he was able to persevere mm-hmm. through that particular situation and he he knows what it's like to cause pain and suffering to people that he cares about. 
Ditto. <laughs> um, I mean, like, yeah, same. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? Perhaps not in the same way that a were coyote who killed her mother and her sister, but... Oh, yeah, I have never killed anybody, but I have purposefully <laughs> ruined family dinners, so... I was bored, so I ruined lunch. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I walk into a room and I'm like, I'm about to pick a fight right now. <laughs> I very good insight to my personality. Not really. I know. Yeah, um, I know. But yeah, Styles is um feels like he's kind of pulled in a bunch of different directions. Like he really, really wants there wants to be there with Malia, and Lydia's kind of like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? And he's like, I I don't know. Figure it out. Yeah. And he's just kind of telling Scott, I don't know. Figure it out. And also, by the way, how are you so bad at this? Yeah. Well, the funniest thing about Scott is it's a little bit like, dude, I can't fix your problem. I have a I need I have a girlfriend. I need to chain up in the basement, not in a scary way, but also kind of a scary way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that scene yeah. where the sheriff sees him putting the cuffs on her and he's like, I don't want to know. I was like, if I were a parent, I'd be like, no, I want to know what the hell <laughs> is happening right now. Right now. We have to talk. I do think though, that the sheriff is in that position where he's like, if I learn one new piece of information, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> he's at capacity. <laughs> he really is. And unfortunately throughout this whole episode, he just gets more. Um, oh, that's true. Poor guy. But in terms of styles, I also think that he is sort of like in, He's anticipating Scott to be doing better at this job because Scott is and should be. And he, I think, is approaching this in a way where he, I think he thinks that Scott has, at every point, I think he thinks that Scott has told Liam more than Scott has told him. And this is kind of one of the big introductions of some of the miscommunication arcs we see in Teen Wolf, especially in season five. And they're a little nonsensical, but when they're done in sort of a way where it's meant to, like, bring out humor in the episode I'm kind of into it but like right now Scott and Styles are like not vibing they are not connecting on the level that they normally do and it mm-hmm. ends up being a great anxiety to literally everyone around them yes which is uh funny because it's such a um it's very different from the first instances of like Scott being really into someone and having that distraction of Allison and Styles did not have uh, a girlfriend at that point and didn't have like an equivalent distraction. And we so we knew he... like one other, um, mythological creature at that point, And mm-hmm. it was Derek and he only showed up to be scary. Like every other episode. Yeah. So he, um, while he would normally be on his shit, like Scott's busy. Styles is busy. They just don't have, uh, enough. They don't have enough capacity Yeah, for each other right now. Yeah. Because they just assume that you should be competent at what you're doing. Yeah. Um, even though Styles is and Scott is not. Yeah. And I mean, the dynamics of everything have been completely offset by introducing a new person. Mm-hmm. Which I think is so smart. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If Teen Wolf had just stayed the original cast, it would have gotten so boring. It would have. I, I miss Isaac. I miss Jackson. I w- wish Erica had been truly given justice something? in this world. Yes. But yeah, it's good that we're changing. I love the introduction of Liam, um, especially because he's supposed to be so much younger than the rest of them. And they're all like battle weary. Yeah. And Liam's like, I fell in a hole. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and I think one of the great parts of season five is introducing Theo. What a horrific villain. <laughs> he's such a creep. <laughs> such a creep. Yeah. Just nasty. Um, the funny thing about uh, Kira in this episode, who we haven't touched on yet, but I do want to talk about her, is that everything that is stressing her out, everything that she's anticipating is all social faux pas. Yes. She falls down the stairs while she's trying to fake ask out Liam, which is would be so incredibly embarrassing to do as a 17-year-old to a 14-year-old. Um, what really does it for me is when she falls down and he runs over and he's like, are you okay? And then she props her head up on her el- like on her elbow. Yeah. And she's like, I'm fine. I'm as though, right. As if she's like reclining on her bed. And um she's so charming, even though she thinks that she's not. Yes. Um, I don't know, there's a lot of talk about social anxiety. And like Styles is literally like, I don't want to be at the party. I have social anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely not true. Styles loves being around people. He really does. Um, but Kira certainly Never forget what Styles was doing at the rave, dancing the way he was dancing. <laughs> The sprinkler. Yeah, he was having a great time. No um, social anxiety. What a liar. No inhibitions, that boy. Um, but yeah, Kira, Kira, most of all, uh, just wants to help the pack. And that's what they're, they're all, 
really working in sync with each other for the most part. Because like you were saying earlier, like the whole bringing Malia to the lake house seems like a well-practiced plan. And clearly they're usually all there. That's like the implication. So Kira just wants to help out the pack. She does. But they're assigning her tasks that she is not supposed to, like, socially equipped for. Yeah. The whole conversation with her and Liam in the car is like, oh my god, could one of you be normal, please? (laughs) Uh, Who's going to be there? Everyone. Everyone? Uh, Where is everybody? They're late. They're late. So we need to hurry. What? What does that even mean? I love her. Yeah, I just, she's not a big part of the, the main plot, um... Because she's not not supposed to be in this episode, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is also fitting quite well into our theme. Before we wrap up our discussion, uh, we should probably talk about the old men. <laughs> yeah. The Derek and Sheriff team up epi- of this episode is like... I completely forgot that that happened. And I got to say that I love it. I loved it. Also, there's definitely times in this season when they would have sooner killed each other. Times in the show when they have sooner killed each other. Mm -hmm. And he's like calling in a specialist. And you totally think it's going to be Scott. But no, No. he calls Derek. Scott is busy with his new baby. Um, I think it's one of those moments where the sheriff is like, all right, I don't know. Clearly, I don't know anything. Yeah. Like, clearly. But he's anticipating something crazy. He's like, this does not feel like regular, regular crime. I clearly have to call in Derek Mm -hmm. because this is supernatural and I don't know what it is. And that scares me. Yeah. Well, Scott tells him a little bit and then he calls in Derek kind of for reinforcements and they're really trying to figure out like, uh, what the deal is with the mute because they find his little, uh, communication band and a tomahawk does his robot voice (laughs) um well yeah because peter gets attacked and so then derek is like well it's even more my problem now Mm -hmm. um because as much as he would never admit it to anyone's face he's like i do love my dumb psychotic uncle we need to talk (laughs) about the enabling relationship between peter (laughs) and derek it's weirdly codependent and they just let each other do horrific things and mostly Derek letting Peter do horrific things. Yeah. And then when Derek does something horrific, Peter's like, now I told you that would be fun. Yes. And I was right. Um, yeah. The sheriff Derek moments in this episode are fantastic. And, um, they actually end up taking down the mute and almost arresting him before Peter comes and rips him to shreds. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I can say for certain what Derek is anticipating in this episode, but I th- whatever he's feeling is completely exacerbated by the fact that his powers are on the fritz. faltering right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really making him anxious. And he even says, like, there's blood on the floor. And he goes, "Why? like, I, this is crazy. Like, this is bad. And Sheriff is like, uh, yeah. And he's like, no, because I couldn't smell the blood. So he is falling behind in how quickly he would normally intake information. And because of that, he doesn't know what to expect. And that is something that is really quite scary, we can see, for Derek. Yeah. And the sheriff picks up on that. Um because he is working from something like a lack of information that he relies on Derek. And when he, he's, he specifically says, he's like, you being nervous makes me nervous because I'm relying on you and your information. Yes. Um, yeah. And the sheriff is actually the one who, um, does the kind of heavy lifting on figuring out that there's a mine in the school. Like the, yeah. he almost trips the wire of, um, yeah, his sense of anticipation is largely around, God, there's just another crime spree happening right now. Yeah, I think in part, like, his career has built him to always be, like, on the lookout. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny is I don't think Peter anticipates anything at all in this episode. He does clearly not does not anticipate getting attacked and then just fights <laughs> off the mute. And then at the end, he doesn't anticipate anything, like, other than things going exactly his way when he comes in and just kills the mute, looks at the sheriff, and dips. Yeah, and the... The little interaction where you're like, Derek's an enabler, and he's just like, well, Peter, we lear- we've learned a better way. And Peter's like, I didn't. Yeah, when did we agree to that? <laughs> uh, I wasn't there for that particular meeting. And also, I mean, Peter is a sadistic motherfucker. Like, we know that. Yeah. Um, we really learned that in this ep- in this season. Yeah. He sucks, but I'm also like, but if he's not in this season, I get sad. <laughs> when he is missing for too long, I'm like, where's Peter? Yeah. One, because he's in everybody's business, but two, I just like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah. Shall let's, we move in to Q's and O's? Let's do it. I have no questions. I have no questions either. Actually, I a little bit have a question. So hmm. we introduced like Lydia having crazy money troubles. And like I could have anticipated a little bit of credit card debt going on with all of the everything about their family, but they own two properties in California. What? And her mom is like, stay out of the wine. Like just all of these things that would indicate... I feel like they go more into depth about this later on. Like, I'm sure they're living above their means. I'm sure they are. But if they were, like, they would have liquidated that house forever ago if it was this serious. Yes. I think it's very odd to introduce two characters with serious money problems. Like Three. Well, Scott has always had money problems. That's true. That's but just... introducing, like, one of the rich characters is now having money problems. I really think that it just behooves a show, particularly about teens, for someone to be unfathomably wealthy like then you can just do things and you don't have to rationalize them and they had already set Lydia up to be that person and now and then you get the good contrast between like the styles and scots of the world and the Lydia's of the world yes yeah it's she's important kind of, for class consciousness. She's also kind of back on her mean girl bullshit a little bit in this particular episode, which I don't mind because she's clearly trying to bond with Kira. Um, but yeah, I find it odd. Yeah. Where did that come from? If you wanted to be like, if you wanted to be like Malia's dad is all of a sudden having money problems because he's supporting someone he didn't anticipate having to support ever again and like whatever, like introduce it in a way that isn't like, Mm-hmm. whatever i don't know the whole thing was that it was like two really rich bitches allison and lydia and then their poor boyfriends yes yeah it's also i don't know a weird thing to invent if you were just trying to explain away the wine thing um but no it's like well there's scratches on the on the basement walls that's a 400 dollar bottle of wine dude some collector will scoop that from you it's all very weird it all feels like if you are in dire straits you don't still have all those other things Yes, and I think if their point was to like give Lydia an extra stressor, I don't think they need that because they have done a really excellent job of showing just how much she is um, stretched very thin by being a banshee mm-hmm. and like communing with the dead and how much that upsets her. And I know it puts an added like, um, like sort of stakes onto the Deadpool if everybody could use that money a little bit. Mm-hmm. But everybody could use that money anyway. <laughs> that is America. Yeah. This is America. This is America. Um, her mom is also paying Eichenhaus. Or no, not yet. That's in season not five. Yet. I was going to like, her mom is also paying Eichenhaus bills. Yeah. But okay. Here Again, does no one have insurance? I don't know if Eichenhaus is covered by insurance. <laughs> I feel like it should be at least a little. Or like yeah. the hospital procedures. I'm like, if you, if you have the health insurance that public servants have... You have good health insurance. Yeah. Pretty much. But but Lydia's mom is a teacher now. That's true. Which is, I think, a thing that was introduced last season and we've all collectively forgotten about until just now. She had to take over for Mr. Harris. Yep. That poor dead Mr. Harris with his anime villain glasses. He really (laughs) did look like an anime villain. Um, That was my only question. Do you have any observations? Yeah. um, I really like how in Teen Wolf... Um, a lot of the big episodes where there's a lot of like plot or heavy lifting that needs to be done happens during party scenes. Um, you know, there's like infamously Lydia's party in the second season where everybody gets poisoned. And then again in season three during the rave when the Oni are testing to see if all of the werewolves are themselves. Um, and then now Liam's kind of first day at werewolf school. Is that a party? Is that a party? Um, yeah, I really, really like that. I'm very, very glad that Chris is back. Yeah. Just kind of in general. I like having him around. And um, he is now kind of serving as like the opposite to the Calaveras. Mm-hmm. Because he, at this point, is just kind of like, well, I get this may as well happen. Scott's bitten someone. I can't do anything about it. But I love this kid. And he's got to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's also like it's better when we have both Derek and Chris in the show. Because where Derek's knowledge fails, Chris's can often fill in the gaps and vice mm-hmm. versa. Yeah. Like based on like sort of hunter werewolf dynamics. And um, 
Also, I'm never opposed to having like another good dad around. <laughs> They're so few and far between in life and also television. <laughs> yes. Uh, especially because um, the adults haven't been around too much in the last couple of episodes. I mean, the sheriff and Melissa have been mm, tangentially around, but it's nice to have the other the other adult in the triumvirate back. Yes. Uh, to Beacon Hills. I, I just like seeing him. Me too. Um, He's got pretty blue eyes. Yes, he does. And a bow and arrow. And I'm like, <laughs> great, you're welcome here anytime, sir. We already mentioned that the um, the password is Allison, and that's really sad. But it's also dumb. I don't get it. <laughs> it's also really dumb, and I can't remember if there is any kind of explanation later on, which is why it's kind of bugging me. Mm, no, yeah, I don't remember. I mean, maybe we'll get, like, you know, served with some information that, mm-hmm. you know may hurt us later but i don't i do right now i'm like that's dumb <laughs> boo. Um, <laughs> boo. constantly looking for opportunities to boo the tv when we mm-hmm. watch um yeah no it was sweet because i was like oh my gosh because we really did lose her so recently it's been a month like in human time but like not very long in teen wolf time so, for us yeah yeah um we're getting a little little bit more of parish every episode No one thinks to bring up um, all of the dead bodies in the meat locker, which we're never going to talk about again, but it does bother me. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's really weird that that wasn't like, I mean, imagine the national news that would make. National news, especially because Derek is like, I haven't heard of those creatures here in a long time. They've been hiding really well. If you find out there's an entire family of serial killer cannibals living in your neighborhood, imagine the cold cases you just solved. Yeah. Uh, dude, everybody would move right out of Beacon Hills. (laughs) The property values would plummet. What is the problem? Like actually, you know, I was being like, um, I don't know how poor the Martins are if they have two, (laughs) two properties in California, but they're, they're both within the city limit of Beacon Hills. I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like, Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. People are dumb. Um, yes. Was that your last observation? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I love the duct taping Liam and throwing him in the bathtub. And Scott's like, he's lying down. <laughs> Everything about that is really funny. Um, except he did a terrible job and Scott is bad at things. <laughs> that whole bit where they're like falling down the stairs. And I like- got him. I got him. And they're just holding each other's legs. Very, yeah. very good physical comedy. That was my other observation about that. Um, the we're brothers now, you bit me, gets me every time. It is so funny. And every time I see a gif of that, like online, I'm like, that can't be real. No, it's real. Um, I loved the scene where Styles was being like, control is overrated. And like what I felt when I was in Ogitsune wasn't worth any of the pain I caused. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that like, yeah, Malia doesn't need to learn control. She needs to learn to let go. Yeah. And that was, I thought that was really, really smart. I mentioned this earlier. I think anger is like a really interesting device to introduce uh, Liam. It, I am a little bit like if he's that angry, he might not really belong in society. <laughs> <laughs> it does a little bit feels like he needs like regular counseling and, um, you know, but we know that Teen Wolf has a bad relationship with mental health. Uh, and then my final observation was this is the first time I've ever heard anybody issue the Miranda rights on Teen Wolf. Yeah. Took us long enough, but he was able to, like, how many people have, has like the Beacon Hills, uh, police department brought in that could just be like, yeah, I didn't get read my rights and then dip. <laughs> you know, um, it's also I, really funny to tell the mute you have the right to remain silent. I think that perhaps that was the reason why they put it in there for the humor device. Um, but yeah, the thing about, uh, Liam and anger that, I find both interesting and frustrating is that um, Derek's whole thing, the way that he channels his wolfiness is through anger. And we know that. Mm -hmm. Um, So interesting to kind of introduce a new beta that maybe runs a little bit parallel to Derek. Parallel to Derek, but also it's like that works for Derek and it didn't work for Scott. And it's very likely not going to be anything that ever works for Liam because it's something that already is so triggering to him in his non-wolf form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish we knew a little bit more. I wish there was something else in the information that Styles tells us because like he... We learn more about it in the next episode. Do we? I I think the next episode is like IED. Okay. Yeah. Good. Because I uh, 
think it's a little lacking otherwise. Well, we'll get we'll get more info. We learn we we learn enough about this kid for me to love him. So, it's all mm-hmm. good. Um, do you have your back stats written down? I do. Um, at a certain point the eyes count is not real. Uh, cuz it's a full moon yes. and there's lots of slashies going on. Um, so I counted about 10 eyes eyes on mul- on like the same character multiple times and then on individual characters. Two claws, mm-hmm. one shirt. Peter is shirtless when um, Derek, Derek burns the wolf's bane out of him. <laughs> like with a little creme brulee torch. Um, and the ads, uh, Kira drives this cute little red Toyota. And I don't know if this is technically meant to be an ad, but when um, Scott is playing music from his phone, there's like a little AT&T. And I assume Samsung because that's the well, phone Also, he had a MacBook in this episode. Right, 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 right. And she's like, this laptop is $2,000. Which is very, very funny. That yeah. was dumb. Um, and no sirens at this point. Yeah. Um, do you have an alpha of the week? Chris. Chris, yeah. Swoops in, saves the day. Uh, at least Scott's day. It would actually maybe be the sheriff if Peter didn't ruin it for him. <laughs> he just lets him go. Yeah. Because... Or actually, you know what? I also want to give it to Styles. Styles and Chris mm-hmm. can split it because what Styles like to, does for Malia in this episode really should not be um, ignored or overlooked. It's he's very such selfless. a good. He's so smart. Yeah, yeah. And then Chris is. I was just like, he's here. <laughs> Woo! Chris, I knew he came back relatively soon. Um, I I love him, and I don't know. I love the little moment that Peter is just like, "What are you gonna do? Shoot me?" Yeah. To the sheriff. And obviously he won't, so. So, yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up, yeah? Yeah. Cool. If you enjoyed this episode of the Teen Wolf Free Wolf, we hope that you follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Real Wolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Tumblr, Teen Wolf Free Wolf. And our Facebook group is the Teen Wolf Free Wolf Podcast. You can join us and share the memes and join in the discussion. If you really liked this episode, and I really hope you did, I implore you to leave us a review on iTunes so that we can reach other newer members of the wolf pack anybody who likes teen wolf and wants to join the discussion uh leave us a review in five stars and we will read it out loud on the pod and give you a shout out on twitter uh i guess that's it i guess so well happy then, one year of coronavirus well we still have like another two weeks before it's the one year of coronavirus that's true so we're we'll celebrate close. then we'll pop <laughs> bottles it'll be great and uh with all that, we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, woo! Woo!